G'day, and welcome to the Fasting Highway podcast. I'm your host, Graham Curry from Perth, Australia. I lost 60 kilos or 132 pounds living an intermittent fasting lifestyle and have successfully maintained that weight loss now for over a year. I wanted to bring this series of podcasts to you to give you an insight into what that journey has been like. I also wanted to give you some information about intermittent fasting, talk to people that are doing it, and bring in some experts in the field, including some leading authors of some great books about the subject. Talk about the highs, the lows, the triumphs, the celebrations, the negatives, the positives, and everything in between. Nothing is a silver bullet, as they say, but intermittent fasting is about the closest thing that you can get to a perfect health plan with a side effect of weight loss. So sit back in the next few weeks and enjoy life on the fasting highway with us. Thank you. G'day, and welcome to the Fasting Highway podcast, and this is episode 16. So today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Bet Lucas, and Bet is from Gig Harbor, Washington State, in the United States of America. And Bet is also the host of the successful podcast, Living Your Big Bold Life. And Bet is a busy mum of five, soon to be six, full-time career person, motivational speaker, and a very popular member of international online intermittent fasting communities. And Bet is very passionate about sharing her health journey, so here she is to tell us about that today. Welcome, Bet. G'day, Bet, and welcome to the Fasting Highway, and thank you for joining me today. Graham, I could not be more honored. What a wonderful show you have put together. I enjoy every episode, and I feel very humbled to be a part of it. Oh, thank you so much. And um, you're a huge inspiration to me, Bet, and I know a lot of other people. And I love your passion uh, for everything about intermittent fasting and just life in general. But, Bet, what we like to do here on the Fasting Highway, we might get a bit of your own backstory and about any struggles you had with weight in your life and, and basically how what led you up to finding out about uh, IF. Sure, I would love to. So... I grew up always with pretty good self-confidence. I was never the tiniest uh, person, but I was never the biggest person either. And I was always involved in athletics, and that definitely helped keep me in decent shape. I went off to college and definitely had gained some weight when I went to college. Uh, combination of no more sports and uh, an endless buffet at the college cafeteria, probably uh, also admitting a few extra beers that I probably was drinking in my earlier years. So I went into my 20s. I had gained a little bit of weight, but again, Weight wasn't this thing that I was just like, oh my gosh, you know, I hate my body. I'm so overweight. But I got married. And um, when I got married, I felt pretty good in my skin. I, I liked my size. I'm sure I could have been thinner, but I wasn't too bothered by it. My husband and I were fortunate to have a lot of kids quickly. And, um, we ended up having four children within five years very fast. And um, yes, and we now have five with number six on the way. So we are definitely a little unique in that uh, way. And we love it very much. But you can imagine um, I'm a mom. I work full time. I work in the energy industry. And it's, you know, I work with mostly men. I love what I do, but I had had children uh, quite close together. So my first four, like I mentioned, I had had uh, them in five years. And that was when 2015, that was really when I had that moment where I feel a lot of people have or especially a lot of moms I talk to, but I think really a lot of us on our health journey where all of a sudden, a lot of things snuck up on me. The person that used to feel really comfortable in her skin was feeling less comfortable in her skin. The person who, you know, never thought 
really too much about losing weight. Sure, I had tried diets in my youth and sure, you know, again, I, I, I could have been a little bit thinner or in better shape, but I never was really consumed by it. But in 2015, everything kind of was magnified and I was just feeling this weight and not this, just this physical weight, but just weight of being a mom of a lot of young kids, this weight of having a very big job and trying to keep up with it, trying to be a good spouse and show up well for my husband, give back to the community as that had always been something that I had always done is, is been involved. And I, I find a lot of um, my heart really is in giving back and encouraging others. And so at, at that point, I, I just knew that there was no time for my health. How, how possible could I find any time for me and my health? And so I got invited on a last minute trip with a friend and it was, uh, to Mexico and I had not really thought about the trip. And you know, a lot of times before you're going to go on a trip, you work out a lot before you kind of get ready or you buy some cute outfits. And here I am, you know, juggling all the things. This was very unexpected to go. And it was like a quick long weekend trip. And so my husband and I decided to go. We think it's a good thing just to get away. And I remember seeing photos from that trip. And a lot of people always refer to a photo being that moment in time where I just knew that I needed to try to figure this out and maybe putting my health last or maybe, you know, I needed to move it up the food chain a little bit. Um, And I still at that time thought that by doing so meant I was being a little selfish. You know, that meant that that meant that I was taking time away from my children, my husband, my job and giving back. But I just knew something had to change. And yet I had never been, Graham, someone who had been a horrible eater. I grew up in a decently healthy household. I never had a huge sweet tooth. I would say if I had one problem, mine is just consumption. I think I can eat a lot. And I think I am similar. I think we're similar souls in this. You know, I like to be life of the party and I love to be social and I have a very social job. And so I think the consumption of I can eat probably more than most people, you know, or mo- most women my size or age. And then I have never been good at being like, oh, I'll just have one glass of wine. You know, I have a couple glasses of wine. I So I think the combination, that's really probably always been my struggle. So I had tried, you know, starting to move more. And that was, you know, feeling good. And I tried, you know, counting calories and doing a few things. But everything everything I was trying, like, wasn't really moving the needle. And I remember just feeling like this, ugh. What is going to move the needle? And someone told me about Whole30 and how by doing Whole30, she had really all of a sudden found something that kind of jump-started her on her health journey. And I looked at Whole30 and I'm like, well, I don't eat a lot of sugar. I don't eat a lot of carbs. Uh, What's really this going to do? But then she said, yes, but, but there's no dairy. And this light went off. I was like, you know, I really haven't tried that. I've tried almost all the other other eating lifestyles, but I haven't tried that. And looking back, Graham, it makes so much sense to me now. But then it didn't. But I did Whole30 and I instantly started seeing results. So it was Whole30, whether you like it or not, really was a huge momentum push for me forward. And then I read this book called Body Love by Kelly Levesque. And in her book, she kind of blew my mind because she said that we really shouldn't be snacking much between meals, that we really need to give our digestive system a break. And even though I really never heard her use the word fasting, I started challenging my thought process going, wow, that's not how I've been eating. I mean, I eat really well, but I pack a ton of snacks. You know, I'll pack 
uh, cucumbers and cashews and eggs and cheese. And I'd have all the snacks even during uh, my health journey. And so she said, you really, you need to elongate the time between meals and you need to have protein, fat, fiber, and greens. And her, her forms of fiber weren't processed carbs. They were fiber that you were often getting in your other vegetables or in your avocado per se. And that for me, Graham, was so important to hear because I feel many of us, when we look at doing a low carb option, we just sometimes don't prioritize the protein enough. And I know that's not for everybody, but for me, that changed my mindset because instead of saying what I couldn't have, she was just saying, no, these are the things when you're building your plate, prioritize these things. And also try not to snack and also elongate the time between your meals. And I had already found this powerful tool of no cream in my coffee anymore. And then combined with this fab four thought process, I started getting a nice momentum and I was seeing results and on the scale and I was feeling better and I, my energy was coming back and I started working out more because I was feeling better. And I really had this like this great, great momentum. And then I ran into the whole concept of fasting. And for me, I started uh, watching just videos. I didn't read the obesity code, but I started watching videos that Dr. Fung had done. And it was so affirming because effectively what he explains with fasting is what I was seeing in real time. I was seeing that by giving my digestion a break, I was seeing more results and other non-scale victories. Oh, and it was great. It was just so powerful. And some people, you know, Graham, I think my journey is probably a little bit different. Some people, when they find intermittent fasting, they start fa intermittent fasting every day. Well, I, I mean, this was a whole new concept to me. And I, I, so I just started skipping dinner a few nights a week, probably three or four nights a week, just skipping dinner. And then I combined it with the fact that I really wasn't putting cream in my coffee and, uh, and I was kind of, lunch was my main meal. And all of a sudden that like changed my life and I lost another 20 pounds and wow. it was just like those tools for me were so powerful. And I know you and I can kind of relate on this, but, you know, some people dive into fasting first and then have to fix some of their um, eating habits that are maybe not as helpful on their journey. For me, it was really helpful that I was able to address some of those things and use different tools kind of ahead of fasting, which for me probably made fasting easier. Yep. So when you first sort of found out about fasting and you, you originally had that catalyst of your journey, when you saw that photo, and so many people say that, that they see one photo and it just sends them into a tailspin and they think, oh my God, I've got to do something about this. And away you went and then you discovered Dr. Fung and fasting itself. So what sort of fasting protocol did you end up doing in those early days once you sort of committed to it? So I played around with a lot, but a little bit different than most people. I continually went back to more of a morning, midday window. And so for me, I would do one of two things. I would either, uh, I'd go work out. And then I would eat a like a very light breakfast, was not a big breakfast person. So maybe I'd have a hard boiled egg or, or something with my coffee. And then lunch was my main gig. And I would have a really solid lunch. And it worked really well for me in my work life because some people get nervous about fasting and work. For me, a lot of times I was going out with customers or going out with coworkers and so I could kind of 
eat really well at lunch, be completely satisfied and close my window. And so I kind of stuck with that. Now, every once in a while, I would switch it up and say, I'm going to try an evening window or I'm going to try ADF or I'm going to mix it up and, and do a mealless Monday. But in general, I continually kind of went back to uh, that morning to midday window, which really being my midday meal was really the main uh, meal for me. And um, I did at some point include bulletproof coffee in my journey. And, you know, there's there's all sorts of, of people that love it, hate it. People think it's unnecessary, whatever. But I did find that with being a very active person at that point, I was doing um, strength classes in the morning a lot of times. I was doing yoga during the week. I was doing different activities, and I was really enjoying being that active. And as a result, Bulletproof Coffee in the morning was a great tool for me to not really have a big breakfast. Yes, it, if you look at calories and and fat and and contents, sure, it, it, it's not uh, it's not to be ignored. At the same time, it was a really powerful tool because I could open my window with that. I insulin spike from it. My Bulletproof Coffee didn't include whipping cream. It was I would use some butter sometimes MCT oil and some collagen powder. And that was a great window opener for me. And then effectively lunch was my, my jam. And a lot of times people will ask me advice because they'll say, but you have, you know, you have five kids and that meant you're, you're fasting in front of them at dinner. And I mean, isn't that unhealthy for them to see that? And, you know, I, I really took that to heart and I just found, like most things in life, that it was important for me to figure out what I was going to communicate to my children, but to be honest. And I just would tell him, Graham, your mom is done growing. Your yep. body, you know, your bodies are still growing. And you need to eat more often than I do. And your mom often eats a very big lunch while you are at school. And so therefore, dinner time, I'm not hungry. And then it opened this kind of great opportunity for me to talk to, especially my 10-year-old, that just because someone tells you that you have to eat breakfast, if you're not hungry, you don't have to eat breakfast. And, and so now it's really opened some, I think, really healthy conversations instead of unhealthy conversations. And then I felt like I could really enjoy their company at dinner. I wasn't focused on eating. I was focused on, I'd have a cup of hot water. Um, often that was, that's always been my thing. And I sit there and I would just talk with them. So that was kind of my fasting protocol that worked really well. And I, I would do a mealless Monday um, here and there. I found that was a great tool in my tool belt. I did a couple, um, you know, two-day fast here and there, very, very uh, intermittently. I think I did like twice in one year, one time to try it. But in general, that was kind of my protocol. And that seemed to work really well for me. Yep. So when you were fasting, Bet, were you clean fasting right from the start? Was that something you always done? So funny you ask is... I, I try to look back and I, I think that there was a time where when I wasn't skipping dinner on those days and I was calling myself fasting, I would have a bulletproof coffee. Lunch was still my main meal. And if I didn't skip dinner, then truly I wasn't clean fasting then. But then once I found Delay, Don't Deny and Jen Stevens groups and I look back and I'm trying to remember how did I find them? I, 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 this is horrible. It's a big part of my journey that I really can't remember how I found them. But I remember that was my first introduction to clean fasting. And at that point, because I really didn't drink, I had an early window anyways, it wasn't as much of a struggle, that concept of clean fasting. But I will tell you that... For me, like so many others, 
one of my biggest treats historically was cream in my coffee. And so, and one of the biggest things that changed my life and changed the direction of, and my results was removing that cream from my coffee. So right when I learned about clean fasting, it just made too much sense. It was like, well, yeah, well, duh, of course. But why didn't I think of that? You know, it yeah. was, you know, it's just, it made so much sense. And then it also made sense when I'd hear people say they were fasting, but they were sipping on bone broth all day. It never seemed to, to sit right. Like, I'm like, okay, like, I guess that would work. And if they, if it was working for them, I didn't really question it, but the clean fast is so powerful. And, and, you know, Graham, right now I'm not fasting. I'm pregnant with my, my sixth. Like I actually really miss fasting. And I will tell you though, I made a commitment that I was going to go back to black coffee. I had let cream come back in my coffee about midway through the pregnancy. And I will tell you, I've only on day four of reintroducing just black coffee again, and I feel so much better. And I'm not even fasting. I'm not even trying to lose weight, obviously, but I cannot emphasize enough to people. I know it is one of those things that they are so scared to do, and they're so not wanting to give up their beloved morning coffee ritual that often includes cream or flavored cream yeah. or sugar. But it is it is truly one of the most powerful tools we have. Yeah, I agree. And uh, it's funny that I spoke to two beginners in the early stages of this podcast, and both of them were dirty fasting by putting cream and milk in their coffee, and they had no idea. And then when they found out about the clean fast and they made that switch, they said the health benefits were immediate. One lady said that just to hold mental alertness and her fasting process and her weight loss started speeding up. And she said, just that one game changer of moving to black coffee. And I know for me in the early stages, when I had even thought about black coffee, I thought, oh, I don't know if I could do that, but I did. And, and I think you just get used to it. And now, even in my window bet, I still drink black coffee sometimes. And, and I agree. I think it's a game changer. So, Bet, what were some of the early struggles that you had with your intermittent fasting? And how did people react to it? Did you get any kickback from family or friends or colleagues about it? You know, I would get a lot of questions. You know, what? You're not eating or what? You know, because sometimes I would, if I had an evening window that night, let's say I knew we had a special dinner or we had a special event, I wouldn't have lunch. And I'd go to like a dinner or a lunch with a coworker and they'd be like, what are you doing? What's going on? But I will tell you, unlike a lot of people that have received a ton of pushback, I really didn't get as much as most people do. I had a supportive spouse. I had really I, a supportive coworkers and friends. And most people, Graham, I think by that point, the benefit I had had is I had had so much progress on my journey by the time I started sharing about intermittent fasting that people were curious to what was going on and they wanted to actually know about it. Now, every once in a while, I'd get this kind of eye roll or, you know, they didn't know. But, you know, I was at such a confident place about it that you probably could have told me it was the worst thing in the world. And I just wouldn't have cared. I just yeah. was like, you know what? Actions speak louder than words and watch, you know, just watch me for a while. And people would comment to me. They'd be like, Bet, you've always been high energy. You've always been, you know, a, a really positive person, but you even seem like something has even got more positive and, and you just seem like you have hit this stride. And I would explain to them, well, this is why you know, and, and that yeah. was so powerful to share that. I think that's really important too, that you let your results do the talking more so than shouting it from the rooftops in the early stages of your journey. And I found that people started gravitating and towards me and asking me my quick questions, the more weight I lost and the sort of, they see you looking good and they say to you, well, what are you actually doing? And then it's easier to quantify, but I think when you start off early, I know that I used to tell people, hey, I'm on this diet or that diet. 
and they'd just look at me and say, yeah, whatever. And um, then when it didn't work, they'd say, I told you so. So when I started fasting, <laughs> I thought, I'm just going to keep this to myself and let my results do the talking because I could see what was happening. But so Beth, being a busy mum of five and soon to be six, and that's just amazing in itself, there must have been a lot of things like meal preparation for the kids and snacks. That must have taken some willpower. Definitely. And I think many moms are guilty of having the diet of the leftover kid plate. You know, you you really didn't eat a solid meal all day, but you know, you finished Johnny's peanut butter and jelly sandwich and yet and Sally's, you know, macaroni and cheese that was left over. And I think as a mom, that has been unfortunately what too many of us have resorted to in our in our journey is that we're busy uh, we don't have time we don't we don't take the time to sit down and and really have a proper meal that we enjoy and we just kind of graze off of Johnny and Sally and Susie's plates and so when I started fasting at first it was weird to not do that because I think we as moms just do that you know when we're cleaning up but then the thing that I want to emphasize to all people, but especially to the busy moms, is that IF is the busy mom solution. Really, at the end of the day, you're going to have those temptations. You're going to have, you know, more snacks around because kids tend to snack more than uh, adults do. But I kept feeling this freedom because... I had no food prep. I wasn't counting calories. I wasn't prepping all of my snacks. And so even though there were times where it didn't, you know, feel easy, I would say it, the alternative was that I had such a simplification of my food life and that used to just kind of weigh me down before. You know, I, I, I remember thinking if I was traveling for work, well, where am I going to get breakfast? I'm driving to work. Oh, well, I better stop and get uh, my latte at Starbucks and I better stop and get uh, a sausage McMuffin or get some egg bites at Starbucks because I got to have breakfast. And then, oh, crap, I forgot all my snacks. And I think that that is what I want mo busy moms to hear is that IF isn't a restrictive lifestyle for you as someone who feels overwhelmed in a lot of ways, it can be your freedom. Yeah, that's amazing. So Beth, obviously you're an expert in pregnancies uh, having five children and the sixth on the way. What is the message regarding around fasting and pregnancies? I mean, obviously people have to talk to their doctor and all that sort of thing, but what's the message there? Yeah. So I like to emphasize to people, I hear some people really scared to get pregnant because they have had these great results fasting and they're scared. You know, they, they have done other diets before and, and gained all the weight back. And those memories uh, are hard to let go of, you know, you and I know that all too well. And so I reassure them that don't worry you can do this. And to, again, make sure that when you're going into this pregnancy, that you have really assessed the types of foods you are eating, because there are some people that can get away with a lot more than others. But me personally, if I have a lot of processed carbs, processed sugars, um, if I am snacking too much or eating too much junk, all of those things for me will catch up. And so this pregnancy, my goal has been a few things. I'm not intermittent fasting, but what I try to do is really stick with my lunch being my kind of main meal. And then I will have something in the morning if my stomach's upset due to pregnancy or different things, but I'm not eating a huge breakfast unless my body's telling me I need one. So every once in a while, it just needs one. So, okay. And then dinner again is kind of on the lighter end. And so I guess I feel like I'm going at, at the end of this pregnancy, 
I feel really empowered to fast again because I am remaining strong in my protein, fat, fiber, and greens kind of food and proper food choices. And I'm also haven't gone back to three huge meals. Effectively, lunch is still my main meal and I'm eating in those other two eating periods more than I, of course, would have if I was intermittent fasting, but still not going crazy. And I think that's a mistake that a lot of moms make is that they get pregnant and they think they can eat anything. And Graham, like anything in life, you really, there are no shortcuts. And even in pregnancy, yes, you want to make sure you're listening to your body and getting enough uh, food, but I don't see that as the main issue. The main issue I see is moms thinking that now I'm pregnant, I can go crazy. And unfortunately, I know all too well that you eventually will have to pay for that. You know, yeah. you might not pay for it now, but you're going to pay for that eventually. So that's why I've made these last, I have 40 some more days in my pregnancy. And my goal, Graham, is to be, to be as healthy and making the best food choices right now, staying as active as possible so that when I have this baby, I'm as healthy as possible. But then when I'm back trying to fast and, and increase my exercise routine, that I am not playing at a huge amount of catch up. Yeah, I guess with five kids too, that you do get a lot of natural exercise because you chase kids around a lot, taking them to sport, just being a mum. And I know you live on an acreage property. So just going outside for walks. And I guess you try to incorporate exercise and make it fun and do things with the kids as well. Yeah, I love to uh, be on outside in our property. And I've never been one to sit still very well. And the other thing that's really helped me is I stopped thinking I had to do like two and a half hours of cardio every day. In fact, you know, it's funny, similar to a lot of people probably on your show is that some of the times in my journey where I was just doing all cardio, but a lot of it, I wasn't essentially having that great of results on my health journey. And now I found that the more I can incorporate like resistance training or, um, you know, push-ups at home or more hand weights or a little bit more um, focus on muscle and, and weights and resistance versus cardio, I seem to have better results. And uh, that, in, in addition to the, the fact that I don't sit still a lot, I think it really helps me. Because if you think of our ancestors, I mean, they didn't they move. They had to move a lot more to get what we get today. Everything comes yeah, so, definitely. you know, everything is so easy. My Amazon comes to my door. I don't walk to the restaurants. I don't. And so I'm always thinking, move as much as possible. Even if I can't get to the gym that day, even if I can't do a home workout, I really want to make sure I'm moving. And then I really want to stay strong. And yeah. so that's that's my biggest thing. And the thing is too. Bet this year especially, it's been a very tough year for some people. A lot of people have been bound up at home. They've had to work um, with the COVID. So just going to draw on a bit of your experience with fasting now. And so what do you say to people who come to you and say, look, Bet, I'm really struggling with intermittent fasting. What are some of the strategies or the self-examination that you tell them to go away and try? Sure. I, I just really want to empathize with everybody this year. I know it has been a really, really hard year, whether it is career-wise, whether it's routines, whether it is uh, financial uh, or fear. I feel like there's a lot of people scared right now. There's been a lot of unknowns. And, and so I just first want to acknowledge that. Uh, but secondly, I really think the acknowledgement that we need to reduce the preventable stress, right? So I think that if we can really look at the this year and say, okay, there's things we cannot change. They are not in our power to change right now. But there we've also been given some gifts. And no matter who I talk to, I can get them to admit something that has been a gift through this. And 
for some of people I talked to, they've had a few things in their life that maybe were obligations, maybe were stresses, and those no longer are a big deal anymore, or those have removed themselves. And so what I'm trying to remind people is to focus on on the silver linings through this time, because there will be some that you will look back, you know, even let's even say virtual schooling, you know, here in the US, a lot of people are, are schooling their kids at, at home, and they're still trying to work, and it's super stressful. And yet, what's so ironic, Graham, is I bet in a few weeks when all of our kids go back to school full time, we'll kind of miss them. And we'll kind of miss it. And so I think that that's really important in a stressful time is to say there is still good here. And how can I how can I stay focused on that? And then just a reminder that our health is of prime importance and it affects every other area of our life. And if we want to feel our best during this time and be as prepared as possible we need to, no matter how hard it feels, we need to keep our health as the forefront in, in of our mind. Because if our health is not there, everything else suffers. Everything yeah, else. I agree. And I think that all comes back to mindset too. And I know this year in 2020, I said to my wife, we can only control what we can control. And for me, I look at fasting as... I can honor people I work with. I can honor my wife. I can honor my children. So why can't I honor a fast once a day to look after my health? And that's the way I see it. And I mean, to be truthful, we haven't had the stress that you guys probably had up there in America. Down here, we've actually not been affected that badly other than the fact we had to stay at home. And I I know myself working so close to the fridge was a bit of a challenge at times, but I just said to myself, this is the one thing I can control. I can't control COVID-19. I can't control the riots on the street, but what I can control is doing that one fast a day and keeping myself as healthy as possible. But but the other thing I wanted to talk to you about with your experience around intermittent fasting What's your take about weighing? Is weighing something that's important to you or you don't really worry about the scales? So I wish earlier in my journey, I would have understood the really what a scale can do for you and not for you. For example, Graham, I kind of didn't realize that as a woman, my scale can fluctuate as much as as it can and all the reasons it can fluctuate, Uh, you know, water retention, after you exercise, muscle rushes to your muscles for repair. Maybe you ate something that's extra salty, so you're retaining a little bit more water. But I will say that even though I today, I am not a huge fan of this scale, And I really, really want people to only use it in the beginning of their journey if they want to make sure they are doing a a trend in the right direction. So what I would do often is I would enter my weight in the beginning of my journey in like, I think it was the MyFitnessPal app. And I would enter it and I would try to only, this is kind of a weird strategy, I would only enter it, Graham, if it went down. And I didn't weigh every day. I probably was weighing like weekly, but I would not enter it if it went up. And then I would just watch that. And in a lot of ways, I think that's kind of the concept of, are you trending in the right direction? And the one thing I will say that was a positive thing for me is that there would be times where I thought I hadn't really made much progress. And then I'd look back like six months prior and I was down 10 pounds or I had made progress and I was down clothing size and and my measurements. But I just want to remind people that the scale is a tool in our tool belt if, if you use it wisely. But there may be a time in your health journey where you no longer use it. And just remember, there are so many other 
better indicators on your health journey, like your clothing size and your measurements. And similar to so many people that talk about this, I was going down in clothes size close sizes, but I was not losing weight. And if you look at my body and my body composition, it was so obviously improved and yet my scale wasn't moving. And so, um, I heard a story the other day, she was fortunate enough to have an, had an ultrasound and she was frustrated that her scale hadn't gone down. And yet her doctor goes, your fatty liver went away. So I, I, I think that there's, there's so many things that we can watch. So I have a scale. I haven't thrown mine away, but I will probably weigh myself after having the baby. And I'll probably try to make sure I'm going in the right trend. But once I kind of hit my stride, it'll probably go away for, for a long time. Yeah. Another thing I wanted to ask you about, bit is the science of intermittent fasting. Is that something you delve into? Is the science important to you or are you sort of more of a, like me, maybe the experiment of one type of person? So I am not a huge research nut, but I would say that the science really makes sense to me in terms of, I think I just kept having every time I'd read a study or I'd I'd hear another physician speak about intermittent fasting, it just all made so much sense to me, this concept of inflammation and reducing insulin. And it's just so logical. And so I guess for me, I am not the science buff or the research buff. I just feel it is one of the first things and first times in my whole health journey that just makes too much sense. If you really think about it, it's just too logical. And I knew, like so many others, once they learned about it, I knew it was an extremely powerful tool. Yeah, and I have people say to me, oh, well, what's the science? And I think you're probably aware of this too, Bet. When you're giving out information, I don't know about you, but I find there's like three types of people, and I call them Group A, Group B, and Group C. So group A are the type that just say, okay, I want the bare bones. What happens? I I fast for 23 hours and I eat in the one-hour eating window. Bang, they go away, and that's what they do. And then there's the next group, group B. They want that and a little bit more and maybe a bit of the science and maybe some other qualifiers for it. And then you have group C who have to know absolutely everything and they have to study every scientific journal known to mankind before you can convince them. So when I'm giving out information about intermittent fasting, it depends on who I'm talking to and the way I deliver that information. Do you find that sort of this case for you as well when you're talking to people? Yes. And then I find the people that are the biggest critics are often the people that come around and are the most interested. And I, it's it's always fascinating to me. And one of the lines that someone told me are, you know, Critics are just, what is it? Critics are just um, admirers with a different way of showing it. And I think you and I, you know, both have seen when people can get critical about intermittent fasting. But if someone really wants the research, you know, I will throw them to Dr. Fung's obesity code and I'll say, hey, that's go dive in there. That's a really, you know, medical type book. And then if someone's more, hey, I just want the, the, quick basics. You know, I'll, I, at first I would do delay, don't deny with gin. And then now with fast feast repeat, I'm like, Oh, here's a perfect one for those other two categories. Yeah. And I mean, that book fast feast repeat, you can't get more of a comprehensive guides into minute fasting than that. And I say to people, look, I could sit here all day and talk about it, but here's the book, take it away, borrow it for a week and then come back after that and read up about it. And I think really, if you can't find the answers in that about what you're looking for for intermittent fasting, you probably never will. But Bet, the other thing I wanted to discuss with you, and I know that you probably are very powerful in this regard, is mindset and what part did that play and what were some of the strategies that you used to get your mindset in the right place? So a word that I use a lot is bold. And 
unfortunately, a lot of people think bold means loud and obnoxious. And um, but all the people that I admire in their journeys, it's ironic. If you look at, you can find people in the government, you can find people that are saints, you can find people in any background that someone you look up to. And I guarantee in their writings or when they were setting a goal, they use the word bold. And for me, bold means being a risk taker. Bold means thinking outside of the box. Bold means starting to challenge things that we had always been told. And so a huge mindset shift for me was one, like I had mentioned, starting to realize that prioritizing my health was not selfish, was that by prioritizing it, I was going to be able to give back more. And giving back is what I like to do. I like to be the best mom I can be, the best wife I can be. I want to be the best at my job. I want to be the best at giving back to the world. And that was my bold mindset change was like, okay, by prioritizing my health, by doing intermittent fasting, all of these things, I can give back more. And then I started having these other things that I was going to be bold about. I was going to be bold about the fact that this is who I am and this is who I'm called to be. And I find too often times in our journeys when we're struggling, and I think it really applies to health too, is that we are not, we're shying away from the life that we were called to be and the journey we were called to live. And so for me, I stopped saying, I'm going to start, I'm going to start just being bet. I'm going to be, and I'm going to be bet in a very big way. And I'm not saying everyone needs to be bet. I want you to be Graham and I want, you know, Joe to be Joe. And I want you to love who that person is, just like you talk about. I want you to love who that person is. And I want you to own the path that you're on. And once I started embracing that, I started letting go of what people kind of thought of me even more. I started embracing my imperfections more. I started simplifying more. It was like this chain reaction where this word bold just really made so much sense to me. And that's really, to me, intermittent fasting is bold. Yeah. And it, it is. And, and you do have to be bold to do it because like you said, there, there can be naysayers and different things. You have to be bold to say, I'm not having, I'm not eating right now. I'm not. Yeah. And I agree. You know. So Bet, speaking of bold, I want to talk to you a bit about your projects now. And we'll first off, we'll, we'll start about your Facebook group, Motivate with Betty Lou. How did that come about and how's all that going for you? Oh, wonderful. So I, when I was starting my health journey, as you know, and probably can tell by this interview, I am a very social and, and community oriented person. And I started realizing that a big part of my journey was also having accountability in my journey. And so people were seeing that I was having results and they were kind of asking me, Bet, can you share with me like what you're doing and how you're doing it? And so I created a group and the, the name is so goofy. I literally had no idea even really what a Facebook group was, Graham. And it was December of 2018. And I said, okay, we're going to start a group to start in, in January, 2019. We're going to start this group and it's going to be an inclusive place for people to come. And I'm just going to share tools that are working for me that I just wish I would have had. You know, instead of telling me to count calories, move more, eat less, kind of some bold new strategies. And so I started doing that and the group just kind of grew organically. And it were only about 2,500 members. But the unique thing about that in my mind is we're not a keto group. We're not just a fasting group. We're not... We're, we're kind of a little bit more broad in terms of respecting different people's life, eating lifestyles. And yet we are all about the theory that a rising tide lifts all boats. And if we can help each other by sharing what is working on our health journey, and I share about fasting, I share different you know recipes and encouragement, 
And it's just been a really powerful tool and place. And, you know, our members since then, we've had members lose hundreds of pounds collectively, maybe thousands. But really, I always say it's not about what we've lost. It's about all that we've gained. So I welcome any of your listeners to find us. It's Motivate with my Betty with a Y, Lou, like Lucas, L-U. And we would be honored, so honored to have each and every one of you there because we know that we are better together and community makes a difference. Yeah. And I can vouch for the group itself. I'm a member as well. And there's some very motivating people in there. And I know Bet keeps it fairly active. And if you want to look for somewhere for positivity and support, I can thoroughly recommend it. But your other project, Bet, is your podcast, which is fantastic. Can you just tell people a bit about your podcast and just flick through some of the guests that you've had and what you've got coming up? Definitely. So my podcast is called Living Your Big Bold Life. And we focus on topics and guests on the areas of health, career, and family. And our focus is not to feature one type of family, one type of career, and one type of health journey. Really, it's to share bold journeys and we believe, and I believe with all of my heart, that by hearing people's bold journeys in health, we can be inspired on our own journey. And even if our journeys look very different, you know, Graham and I, you could say, oh, well, you two are in very different stages of your life. You're, you know, you live halfway across the world. And yet, I can be inspired by hearing Graham's journey and I can be inspired by hearing others. And that is what I want. I want to have a platform to share these amazing stories out there of people like you, Graham, and others. And so uh, we've been fortunate to have Jen Stevens as a guest. We've been fortunate to today uh, launch an episode with uh, Dr. Ted Naiman, and he's really forward-thinking. He's a physician and forward-thinking in the areas of, of protein and prioritizing that. We have had other guests like Lori Lewis and um, many of our Motivate with My Betty Lou members have actually been success stories and have been interviewed as well. We had a mother of three, she literally in seven months with no gym membership, nothing fancy, she lost 50 pounds and was in the best health of her life. We have another gentleman, he shared his journey of extended fasting. And even though for the majority of us in the world, extended fasting might not be a good fit, what I believe and what I've heard over and over is that by hearing his story, they're like, well, if Jeff can do an extended fast, I, I can I can get through my 19 hours today. I can do it. And yeah. and really that's what I want for this podcast is that we can appreciate each other's different journeys and learn from them. And that is what living your big bold life is all about. Yeah, I know that podcast that you did with Jen was a, a bit of a QA and Jen Stevens we're talking about here the New York Times bestseller and author of Fast Feast Repeat. And I actually listened to that on the way to work. My commute's about an hour. And then I listened to it on the way home again because I'd enjoyed it so much. And I just, I really learned a lot off you two in that conversation. And I think anybody that's interested in intermittent fasting, look up Bet's podcast, and especially the ones with Jen and the other great guests as well. But I found for myself, even as an experienced faster, I took a lot of key messages away from that. But, Bet, we're going to wrap it up in a minute. I just wanted to catch you before you go. You mentioned extended fasting, and earlier in the podcast, you talked about the mealless Monday. What's your opinion about the extended fasting and the ADF, and, and what's the right and wrong reasons to do it in, in your view? Sure. So I think if you are similar to someone like me who is – pretty active. Maybe you are in your childbearing years and you are uh, already an intermittent faster. 
I don't know if you really need to do ADF unless you have some major health reason you want to address. Maybe you have PCOS or or there's something that you would like to uh, work on or you feel really stalled in your journey. But I will tell you that I think if you are someone like me, a mealless Monday can be a great meet in the middle where you are adding that nice little uh, tool in your tool belt. Maybe it's getting you over a little hump and it just kind of breaks through a barrier that you've been hitting in your journey. And so I always tell people that, you know, I tried ADF. I don't think I at this point really need it. However, I love sharing about it because I think it's a tool in my tool belt. And Graham, like all tools in our tool belt, they are there for you to use when and if needed. And I feel that if though for those of you that maybe be, are stalled, maybe you're just kind of frustrated on your journey, ADF can be a really, really powerful tool. And I just think that the more tools we have in our tool belt, the more things we learn about, the better off we can all be. Yeah. So... What about some final words and some motivation, Bet, for someone out there that's sitting there who's been listening to this and thinking about starting? What would you say to them and where would you tell them to start? If you went back and you told yourself, knowing what you know now, and you went back at the beginning of your journey, what would you whisper in your ear about IF and what to do? I would whisper that I know you think right now you are doing all that you can to be the best version of you. But there is an even better version of you out there, ready and waiting. And the world is your oyster, as my grandpa used to say. And intermittent fasting is such a powerful tool to help you really be not just the the an okay version of yourself, but truly be the best version of yourself. And the world needs you. The world needs the best version of you. And you have so much to offer. And I think that the more we can make it about not just ourselves, the more we can say, gosh, by by taking this risk, by taking, by walking this bold journey, I can change the world by being me. I think that's really what I want to leave people with. And just don't be afraid to challenge what you've always been told because what you always have been told hasn't probably been working. And this podcast, I think, can provide you with some great, great tools on your journey to kind of think outside the box and say, oh, there is hope on my journey. And it's bold and it's a risk, but hey, it works. And I can assure you that. Yeah, that's amazing advice, Bet. And I want to thank you so much for joining us today. And as I said at the top of the podcast, I find you one of the most inspirational people that I've come across on this journey. And I've followed you a bit uh, in the groups. And uh, you can also connect with Bet on Instagram as well. And if you're feeling sort of down or you're looking for a bit of motivation and Bet's always there with something nice to say, and she's a great motivator. And as I say, I thoroughly recommend her Facebook group and her podcast, but Bet Lucas, thank you for joining me on the fasting highway. Honored to ride with you, Graham. Thank you for having me. Okay, Bet, take care. Bye. Bye. Oh, thank you so much, Bet. I really enjoyed that chat. Your passion for intermittent fasting, life in general, your family, and everything that you do really shines through. And I think you have such a positive impact on so many people, and I wish you all the success with your podcast, your Facebook group, and the impending arrival of baby number six. And just a note, folks, uh, just an update, the Facebook group for the podcast is open you can join the fasting highway facebook group and ask guest questions or talk about intermittent fasting there we've got quite a few people in there now and also my book the fasting highway about my journey uh, that will be out in november 2020 but more on that soon 
So coming up on the podcast uh, next Thursday is Matt Sanners. And Matt is from Wisconsin in the United States. Matt's a very keen uh, golfer. He's also a very passionate, intermittent faster. And his journey is incredible and it's very inspiring. And he's a real family man. And he has such a great take on this lifestyle. So until then, be well, be safe. And remember, clean fasting is everlasting.